Hey, y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith America podcast. This is volume 100-something. I'm going to take a stab and say maybe 115, 120. I think it's 116, actually. I knew it was somewhere around there, just based on when we stopped caring about the 100-plus uh, number. And we have had tremendous guests throughout this entire time period that we have had Marty Smith America. Uh, Travis does such a good job of getting us awesome guests, and and people have expressed interest in coming on the show, sharing their stories and, and their paths, and that's always so fun for us. Uh, this week, we don't have a guest. This week, we're going to just hang out, have a conversation. Uh, there are a ton of Ask Marty questions, and so we decided that after the holiday weekend, we would spend some time just rapping and sharing our perspective on some things. I always like doing that, too. Uh, it's always a little bit interesting because I have no idea what's coming. Therefore, there's no prep. Uh, you're put on the spot and you're asked to answer it. And that's what we're going to do today. And we're going to take our time with it. Before we get to that, I want to remind you guys to check out the Dan Levitard Show with Stu Gotts there on ESPN Radio and ESPN News on your TV, 10 to 12 Eastern Time. Uh, but they also put out original digital content before and after every show. Before we get to Ask Marty... I have a big camping trip coming up this weekend. We're going out to uh, Western North Carolina with a bunch of friends. There's this camping area out there where they have this permanent settlement of Airstreams. And the Airstreams stay there. And you drive to the Airstream and you stay in the Airstream. And... um it apparently is gorgeous and and it's going to be fun to just unplug for a weekend now i will be i will be doing marty and mcgee live from that camping area on saturday morning are you going to be on camera too i am going to be on camera yes sir. i i i just want people just like can they treat it like game day and just like hold up signs and stuff behind you and well, cook we've out already, and we already have a plan where uh my buddy so it's a bunch of a bunch of our friends that that we have had a supper club group of friends for twenty plus years now, and now we all have kids in their teens, and uh, again we've just been friends for uh, so long ever since I moved to Charlotte, basically ever since Laney and I got married one hundred and fifteen years ago. It's a very special group of people. It's a very special group of spirits. Being around them really fills up my tank because a lot of the discouraging energy that I feel uh, in social media or in traditional media or elsewhere. I'm completely refreshed and renewed when I'm around these guys and I hear their laughter and their perspectives from their walks. And so I'm looking forward to it very much, but we are bringing six different cooking methods we're bringing grills, we're bringing flat top grills, we're bringing fryers, we're bringing this, that. And so my buddy, Tony, who's actually my neighbor, he lives three or four doors down from me. He's bringing his flat top grill and he's going to put on Saturday morning. I'm going to, I told him, I, I'm going to set him up in behind me in my shot. Like when we do the Marty and McGee Thanksgiving extravaganza, we have a buffet line behind us. And throughout the entire Thanksgiving show, where I'm wearing a turkey outfit and McGee looks like a pilgrim, we have the entire staff of the Southeastern Conference Network, and they're moving behind us in the buffet line getting their Thanksgiving dinner. 
turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce. And so my buddy Tony is going to set his flat top up behind me and he's going to make breakfast, man, the whole show. And people will be meandering in and out of the shot the whole time. It's Marty and McGee. So that's what we do. And it's going to be a spectacle. And we've already called the campground. We did some recon. We called the campground and we inquired about the internet service and whether it was any good. And the guy assures us it's great. And the guy who owns the campground is like Travis Rockhold, a the Ohio State fan. If he says it's good internet, then I trust the man. His wife is hardcore war damn eagle. So she's super pumped that Marty and McGee is coming to the campground. So we'll see how that all transpires. But I tell you all of that to tell you this. I have stocked up on Goody's headache powder because we have, I would say collectively, we're probably going to take, let's see, six, 120, 240. We're probably going to take 10, 12 cases of beer, something like that. And so it could get pretty gnarly. Uh, I expect Saturday morning with Marty and McGee to be uh, a full-blown thundercloud. I don't think partly cloudy is going to suffice. I think it's going to be worse. Because so, when you have the mountains, your dear friends, a campfire, country music, kids running around making s'mores, I mean, that's a recipe for a thunderstorm. So with this 10 to 12 cases of beer – do you just go and get a little of everything? What's your shopping method for something like this? We made the decision. So all these guys were over at the house last weekend, and we made the decision. First of all, we turned on college football, y'all. I mean, I can't wait, dude. We're uh, a few days away from the ACC playing football. We're a few days away from – the SEC teeing up a football. And I'm trying to temper my excitement. I'm trying to just remain composed. But down here, down south, the weather has started to shift just a little bit. The humidity has started to make its way away from us, thank God. And I walk outside in the morning to take the dog out. It's got that it's not crisp per se yet, but it's not that just unbelievably biting humidity that just takes your breath away when you walk out during the summertime. I'm glad that you have some excitement because right now I have zero, I repeat, zero excitement for college football. We'll get right into now. that in just a minute because we should have that conversation uh, on a podcast when we don't have any guests. All right, so back to your question about – the, the methodology and strategy that I take with, with cold beer. The boys were over here and we started discussing it and it became a BYOB prospect. So I'm like, okay, I on, I'm only responsible for my beer. Well, I know that I'm going to be going and buying some fancy pants, rosé ciders for Lainey because she really likes these things. Have you heard of this? Probably no, not. I mean, since you're I know, a single, single rosé, but not these ciders. So these, they make these ciders, and there are several different varieties. 
that are rosé wine ciders. And Laney loves them. They're real easy drinking. They're summertime vibe. And so I'll go buy a bunch of those and four of them cost like $15. I mean, it, it'll break your wallet, son. But mama ain't happy. Nobody's happy. So I'm going to go buy the rosé ciders for mama. For me, I'm thinking that I'll probably, I'll probably stay in the canned Pacifico lane because they're real easy to drink and they're super refreshing and they have enough punch packed in them that they do the job, you know, throw a lime in there and you're rolling. Well, see, that's the thing is if you're going to day drink, you can't be rolling with Jack Daniels mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. You, nope. need a beer, you need a beer that, like you said, has a little punch, you like the taste, but you can day drink with. That's exactly where I am with, with Pacifico. Most of my boys are doing, you know, Miller Lite, Coors Light. I, so I may get a few Coors Lights. I don't know. I'm pretty easy, dude. If you give me a Coors Light with a lime in it, I'm good. I don't like putting a lime in my beer. No, I do. I'll put a lime in, in any, anything that's domestic, light, and cold. If you put a lime in it, I'm in. No. Even, I mean, even the ones I don't really particularly care for, I can handle it. But then, uh, to your point, once the fire is rolling and the sun goes down and the guitars come out, I will probably shift to Tennessee brown water and have a little bit of Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey. So that's my plan. Now, are you usually the one that takes lead on the, the, the playlist at nighttime around the fire? Or is it a, uh, a group effort on what's being played? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a group effort, but it, it usually originates on my phone, so I kind of have last right of refusal on what is played. Uh, but it's a – I mean, look, it's a very it's – a, it's a diverse group from very diverse backgrounds and very diverse musical tastes. And uh, so you're going to – I mean, it's going to be everything from – you're going to – of course we're going to be listening. We'll be – we'll start, I'm sure, with modern-day – I don't know if the word's contemporary. I don't know if contemporary country music is even a thing, like, but it like is on radio, Marty Smith's like America. Radio country. Yeah, we'll start with some – we'll start with, like, you know, summertime type of country music in the, in the modern era. Then we'll make our way towards classic country as the sun makes its way towards the western sky. Uh, I'm sure at some point in there, there will be some Baby Got Back requested. There will be some Tribe Called Quest requested. There will be some some 90s, early to mid-90s era hip-hop, which is by the I'm a humongous fan. I don't know if we've ever discussed that on here, but I'm a huge nineties hip hop fan. Huge. And uh, so we'll be playing some of that. Ladies will, ladies will be happy about that. And then uh, we'll probably make our way over to some nineties alternative, which I'm also a huge fan. Um, I love that era of, I mean, it's not, to, I don't even consider that rock and roll. Like, I don't consider STP and Pearl Jam and all of those bands from that era, Alice in Chains, I don't consider them rock and roll. I consider them alternative. Uh, and 
but I love that. I love that era of, of quote unquote grunge. So we'll have a little bit of that and then we'll make our way all the way back around our rear end to our elbow. We'll be playing classic country around the fire, I'm sure. But all genres will be represented. And that's fun. I mean, I love it. Now, we're not going to be sitting around not doing anything all day either. We're going on hikes. We're going to be playing games. We'll go on bike rides. So I'm taking my fishing pole. I mean, apparently there's a pond out there we can wet a line. So I'll be doing some fishing. What's like your favorite lawn game to play? I mean, I would guess cornhole. I really like that. I like that game. I don't know what exactly it's called, but we play it on the beach in the summer when I'm up at the shore. It's like a trash can and you have a Frisbee. Can jam. Can jam. That's fun. I like that game a lot. What is the best yard game? So there's that one. There's one that has uh, some PVC piping with golf balls on a rope. Uh, the name that we called, it probably shouldn't be said on this podcast. Testicle toss. Yeah, so I'll let you say it. That's what we uh, play. If we're ever on the beach, we play this game called washers. We just put like a basically a, a circular hole in the sand and you try to slide the washers into uh, the hole. Um, there's also this game where there's like these bottles that are on a pole that you try to knock off. Uh, well, we do that, but we have like a 30-30 trying to knock the bottle off the top of the fence post. Uh, beer darts. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be playing all those. I mean, it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. Uh, I'm just hoping that our weather's good. It's kind of dicey looking right now. But regardless, it's going to be a lot of fun to be there with my friends and, and our kids and just unplug a little bit. It'll be a great time. We'll get back to the podcast in one moment, but first, now back to Marty Smith's America. I have had a very unique week. Um, I've had some interviews this week that I'm just a little taken aback by. I can't, this is a teaser. I can't get into who I've interviewed or what the project is, but man, I have been so invigorated and so inspired by having the opportunity to interview some of the most accomplished people in the history of sport and learn about them. I can't wait sometime down the line to share with you guys what exactly the project is, but I'm working on something that I feel like is really, really pretty special. And so that's been my week so far. Uh, and I guess now it's time to get into Ask Marty. All right. Our first question comes from um, James Cook. Uh, Marty, best sports announcer of your lifetime. You go you, radio, TV, doesn't matter. Is there a voice that you grew up on? There's a gentleman who now works for ACC Network, actually. His name is Bill Roth. And Bill was the voice of the Virginia Tech Hokies my whole life growing up. As you guys know, any of you who grew up adoring any sports team, whomever that radio voice was, is one of the voices of the soundtrack of your formative years. Now, I could say Keith Jackson, too. That's because, what I was going to say. Because I'm so old. I mean, the game of the week every week, Mr. Jackson called. The way that he called a football game and the amazing phrasing that he had in his cadence and the, and the phrases that he used, whether it was – you know, Woe Nelly, of course, is, is probably his most famous one. But you knew when you heard his voice 
that it was a big moment. You knew when you heard his voice that you were witnessing something special and important to a lot of people. And I can't describe the way that it transported me personally as a young person who was so infatuated with sport, who watched these games of Notre Dame and USC or Miami, Penn State, or whatever those teams were, Nebraska, Oklahoma, and it seemed like another planet. Those teams did not seem like they were of this earth to me. And Mr. Jackson brought them to my house. And so I never got the chance to meet him. I would love to have had that opportunity. I'll never forget this. This is a, a, an aside, but Brent Musburger, of course, too, is, is one of those voices. We had Mr. Mr. Brent on, uh, on Marty Smith's America, what, Travis, last year maybe? Oh, it's been remember. a while, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember when Definitely it was. Definitely last year. I think it was 2019 at some point. And I remember when I first started covering NASCAR for ESPN, this was 2007, and we were at the season opening Daytona 500, and I was cooked. I mean, at this time of the ESPN NASCAR regime, we'd just come back into being a, a broadcast partner of the sport so we had just started NASCAR now, and we were creating so much content. I can't describe it to you, and I know this. If we had social media then the way we have social media now, I can't fathom the amount of content we would have been creating because we would have been flooding all of those platforms just like we were linear TV at that time. We are creating so much content, and I'm cooked. I mean, I'm just I'm overwhelmed. I'm I don't know anything about TV. I feel like I'm in this weird emotional state where I'm like, man, did I make a mistake? Should I not have done this? I had a real comfortable life as a writer. I was making a decent living. I kind of wrote what I wanted and said what I wanted. And then I get on this elevator in the Plaza Hotel in Daytona Beach, Florida. And I, I kind of have my head down. I'm not really paying that much attention. I'm the only person on the elevator. Well, the doors are shutting. And ding, then the doors open right back up. Somebody had, had hit the button and you're like, Shh, come on, man. Well, Brent Musburger walks onto the elevator. So it's just me and Brent Musburger standing on this elevator in a Plaza Hotel in Daytona Beach, Florida. I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm like, it's like looking at, it's like looking at a, it's like they're not even real people. I don't, I don't, only way I can, only thing I can think of to describe it is when you would like see your, third grade teacher at the grocery store and they're it's like wait they're real people that that is such a good comparison because it's so true the first time you saw your teacher like wait they exist yeah wait what you're like you're wearing jogging pants what so anyway i just said how you doing sir and he in that brent musburger you are looking live voice said young man how are you tonight and so we start chatting and i tell him my name and he's like oh you know not only did he acknowledge me and knew who I was, he said he had been studying some of the things that I had written in order to prepare himself. And so I just, man, I couldn't wait to get to that hotel room and call my daddy. I called my daddy and I told him that. And it was like, you, you're, you're taken all the way back to being a four-year-old little boy wearing a Pittsburgh Steelers letterman jacket, little boy size Sears Roebuck catalog 
Pittsburgh Steelers jacket with like pleather sleeves that I left. I left the jacket too close to the baseboard heater one night and the whole sleeve shriveled up. Oh. But that's what we did. Dad and I watched. Daddy was a humongous Steelers fan. He loved Terry Bradshaw more than anybody on earth. And I'm just, you know, you're taken back there and we're having this conversation and it made my dad so proud. So that was a really neat moment for me to have that time with, with Brent. And I just, you know, you never get used to the fact that, that like, man, that guy, he actually knows like who the hell I am. That's crazy. But yeah, so I would say Bill Roth, uh, back to where we started, Bill Roth was that, that guy that brought Virginia Tech to me. And we would even, we'd be sitting at the game listening to him. He just had a very unique way of bringing that excitement that we all knew and felt to our house or to our truck. And I, I have had conversations with Bill uh, since he, he left Virginia Tech and went to UCLA to become the voice of the Bruins. And he didn't stay out there very long because it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same that it is over here on the East Coast. So he came back, and now he's calling games for ACC Network as well. And we become friends, and that too is very odd. So how was that for a rambling answer? I, I, that was a good one. Uh, here's we're going to go to uh, Scott Keenan, 724. What is your favorite food to cook, Marty? My favorite food to cook? Well, or what's your go-to? My, uh, is this for me? Yeah, this is for you. Well, I'm, I'm pretty simple. You know, I'm a fish, chicken, shrimp guy. That's kind of where, where, my, where my cooking lives. Now, if, if you want me to answer the question, my favorite thing to cook, uh, honestly, it's chicken strips and broccoli for my three children because I know that they're going to eat it. I know they're getting nutritional value. And I don't get a whole hell of a lot of static for what I'm putting in front of them. Now, I, I will say this. I admire so deeply parents. I had this conversation with Justin Moore. Justin cooks what he cooks, and they eat it or they don't. And there are certain nights where that's the case in the Smith household. But that's not the case every night because our schedules are so zany that we just can't eat as a family every night. I wish we could. I wish that we had that uh, routine in our home, but we don't. And for those of you who do, awesome. Awesome on you because I think that's so good for the kids. I think it's great to have that structure and that expectation that you're spending that time fellowshipping together. We don't have that every night. We do do it. We don't have it every night. And on those nights when we don't because Mia has dance for, at 5.30, and then in the middle of that, Vivian has to go to dance and Cameron has this. And a lot of y'all can relate to that too, the crazy schedules that our kids keep and all the different practices and all the different events and all the different outings. And so a lot of you are relate, can relate with what I'm saying that it's very difficult to sit down as a family. And so on those nights when we can't do that and we don't have that fellowship together where we're looking each other in the eye, also, as an aside, I'm a little bit crazy about devices. There are no devices at our table when we're eating together. 
Don't bring them. Leave them in your room. Leave them where they go. Put them in the drawer. But we're together as a unit in that moment. We're not distracted. We are where our feet are. That's important. And that, that includes in public too. Uh, if we, back when we actually had the opportunity to go to restaurants, we don't do that. It's just to me important to have each other in that moment, not be distracted in a phone or something. Uh, but on those nights when I can't have a family meal, there are certain go-tos that I know my kids are all going to eat and they all eat the same thing and whatnot. And chicken strips are undefeated in this house. You can never go wrong with chicken. Yeah, you can. I mean, yes, you, you can. can. You can go wrong with chicken. You How can go, you go desperately go wrong? wrong with chicken. How? Well, uh, as it specifically about the kids, I make this baked chicken breast meal that is delectable. It's very simple. It's, uh, it's organic chicken breast. You cut the chicken into chunks. You brown the chicken, and then you throw it in a baking pan with olive oil, all kinds of spices, and broccoli. And you bake it like 40 minutes at, you know, 390 or 400. And all of that olive oil and all those spices permeate the chicken. And it's just, it's so tasty and so easy. My kids, like, they roll their eyes and they, but again, that's one of those meals where it's like, dude, this is what, this is your choice. My parents made me clean my plate and I had to sit at the table until every bite was gone. There was no debating it. There was no discussing it. Here is your pork chop. Eat the pork chop. That's what you get. That's how it was in my house growing up. It's the way my daddy rolls, the way my mama rolled. Mom worked hard. She made these great meals, Southern cooking as it gets. And I loved some of them and I didn't love some of them. Fried okra. My mom used to fry okra and I, it, I'd gag it up, man. I hated that stuff, which a lot of y'all from the South are going to be like, what are you really Southern? But I had to sit there until that okra was gone. I tell my kids this, I'm not making you eat anything. It is your choice, but you ain't eating nothing but what's in front of you. Do they not like the, the taste of the chicken or what don't they? Consistency, really. So uh, something that we grew up on, and I don't know, different names is called bum stew. And it's pick your, you know, put the protein in there. And then you pick all the little fixings that go in the foil. And so each person has their own foil bag in the oven or in, on the grill. And so they can kind of pick exactly what vegetables or seasoning they want on that That's chicken or, or meat. Like we, we a lot of times you do hamburger, but I've also done chicken. So I'll throw cut up potatoes, throw some peppers and carrots in there with some seasoning, put it in foil, and then you bring it out and it's already, it's good to go. That's good. We didn't have that. I mean, we had basically clean out the refrigerator stew <laughs> where all the stuff that was about to go bad, mama threw in a big pot and swirled it up and we ate it. But yeah, I mean, that's when it comes to my preferences, I eat a lot of salmon. I eat a lot, like I eat a lot of tacos, but I eat tacos with like, we've, we've just discovered this new meal where you throw uh, chicken breasts in a crock pot. You take like four organic chicken breasts, you throw them in a crock pot with some hot sauce, some uh, plain Greek yogurt. And then you just, you shred the chicken once it's done. 
and it's like buffalo chicken, shredded buffalo chicken. And you can put that in tacos. You can put that over jasmine rice. You can put that over uh, uh, brown rice. You can put it on a sandwich. I mean, it's and it's so good. It's so delicious. If you love buffalo, any I love buffalo everything. I mean, I love buffalo. So buffalo sauce. I also love buffalo. I love bison uh, meat. It's actually leaner than chicken. Did you know that? Not till now. Yep. There you go. You've learned. We'll get back to the podcast in one moment, but first. We'll take a break from food for a second and go to uh, uh, Alex Allen asked, uh, what book are you reading right now or what's your favorite genre? Believe it or not. Uh, so I haven't received McGee's book yet. Uh, my, our brother Ryan McGee has a new book coming out on the 15th of September called Sidelines and Bloodlines. And he wrote this with his dad and his brother. And uh, it's kind of about their their bond through college football. His dad was a referee for years and years and years. And they have great stories, great stories, tons of great stories. So I've ordered that and I did not wait for the freebie copy that the author has the opportunity to send out to the media that your publisher will send on your behalf. Anytime that a friend of mine writes a book, I buy the book. Yeah. You want to support them. Exactly. Because especially I already kind of operated in that space, but I didn't have the same, same conviction about it that I do now that I am an author because I realized, man, every like that level of support is difficult to articulate the way that it feels. Uh, when your friend, when you've poured so much of yourself into a project like that and your friends, whether they want to read it or not, whether they care about that story or, or that path or lesson or not, they buy it because they love you. And then what I've found in the last year since my book came out, when, when, they're, surprised, when they're surprised by how the message impacts them and then they buy it for their dad, and then they buy it for their friends and then they buy three copies because they want you to sign them for these, uh, these teachers that they work with who they feel like could use some inspiration, uh, then it becomes a whole different level. With that book, I, I just, I mean, since we don't have any guests and we're just kind of on a, a ramble session anyway, I, I wanna, I'm, with that book, with, with Never Settle, Sports Family and the American Soul. That's the book that I wrote in 2019, actually the fall of 2018, finished in January of 2019, and it came out August 6th of last year. So about a year ago, I knew that I wanted to make myself vulnerable so that I might change a life. I might impact a life. And I wanted to write a book like a record. Because as we know, as we've said ad nauseum on this podcast, a song can not only impact a life, it can save a life. And I thought, if I share the sorrow of losing my parents, that's going to resonate with somebody. If I share the euphoria and the nostalgia of small town high school football, there's going to be a lot of old boys around this country who are in their 40s who would sever a little toe to have the opportunity 
to strap up one more time and run out under those lights. I knew that would resonate. And what I found is striking the letters that show up at the house, the coaches who, I don't know if I've ever said this on Marty Smith's America. Have I ever told you that Buzz Williams, the head basketball coach at Texas A&M University, whom I had not met until March of 2020, he coached at Virginia Tech, he coached Jimmy Buckets at Marquette. He's a great, great man, a phenomenal motivator. He's going to turn A&M into a, an SEC staple in hoops. I never met him, and I was sitting at the scorer's table during his shoot-around before the Aggies played Kentucky. It was either late February or early March, one of the two of 2020. He walks over, and I'm sitting beside Jimmy Dykes, Great, great, great bas college basketball analyst for ESPN, former, former coach himself. He wrote a book this year. Buzz walks over, shakes Jimmy's hand. They've known each other for ages and ages and ages. And then he looks at me, and you know what he said to me? He bought 75 copies of Never Settle. Let me repeat this. 75 copies of Never Settle because it moved him to the point where he had that many people in his life that he wanted to read that message. And I just sat right down there at that scores table, son, and I, I was overcome. Yeah, there's nothing that you can say to express how you feel. It's just um, – and, and now, you know, now we've taken it and we have this – of course, I partnered with tomorrow's team. You guys know that. My brother, Patrick Abrahams, who is a brilliant ESPN producer, who is the sweetest of souls, who has the, the, the kindest heart, and his brothers, uh, they have a uh, foundation charity and – their whole goal is to enrich the lives of young people, namely children, who may not have what we all have. And we've used every single speech that I've ever done regarding surrounding Never Settle. And that's one thing about being an author. You have the opportunity to do some speeches. We decided we're going to make a difference. And we not only have raise that money, but we work for Disney company and Disney company has the greatest philanthropic match program on the planet. Disney wants us to be graceful. Disney wants us to be kind. Disney wants us to give of ourselves. And when we do give of ourselves, Disney gives too. And we've been able to make differences. And we've decided that with Never Settle, it is not a moment, it is a movement. And we're just getting started. So uh, that stuff's not easy to sit on here and discuss for me. Uh, no matter what you may think of me, and I know some of y'all, some of y'all, there's a lot of people don't like me, and that's okay. But I don't like to sit on here and promote. No, you're the you are the the worst. Uh, 
people might not think that's true, but I don't know how many times I would tell you, hey, can you tweet out this or post this? Uh, I have to stay on to you about it. So that is a fact that you are not a promoter. I, I don't know. I think, I think it's gotten to, to a point now where when you can tangibly see how it impacts people, it, it changes for me. Uh, it does. Um, I don't even remember the initial question. I have no idea what you asked me. This is exactly what we said the podcast was going to be. The, the initial question was, what book are you reading? And we made it to uh, helping people out. But that's just kind of how this podcast and how we roll is we go on tangents. Um, well, ironically, let me tell you the book I'm reading right now. Friday Night Lights. My mother gave my father in September of 1990, Friday Night Lights, of course, written by H.G. Bissinger, Buzz Bissinger, who, I mean, he, I think I read, I started doing a little research on the book before I decided to crack it back open. My father made me read it. And I, I, I use the word, I didn't say asked me to read it. I didn't say suggested. I remade me read it in the fall of 91, I think. And I read it and it was a little too involved from a socio-political, racial America perspective for my mind in 1991. In 1991, I was the fall of 91. I had just turned 15. So it was a little bit over my head and I have never read it since I have watched the movie. Of course, I have, I am infatuated with the television series with coach Taylor and Tammy and Riggins and Jason street and Matt Saracen and smash. I just started episode one yesterday. I've never seen the show. Oh my dude, you are you are not gonna be able to stop. It's so well done. And of course, Peter Berg, who directed the movie, also is the director of executive producer of the television series, which I also did not know this until I went and started to research a little bit that Buzz Bissinger, the original author of the the, the original Friday Night Lights book his cousin is peter berg i did not know this until i started studying so um i decided that during this time when my own high school cannot play when we're in this unique moment of political fracture and such an unbelievable moment of this push for social justice and equality I thought, you know what? I'm, I need to go back and read Friday Night Lights again. I need to go back and read that book as a 44-year-old adult who's a father, who's, who's experienced a lot and, and been immersed in a lot of different cultures now. And so um, I am reading Friday Night Lights. I'm, I'm on chapter two at this point. And... It's like, it's unbelievable to read that book again. Uh, the, the reporting. So for those of you who don't know the background, Buzz Bissinger was a Pulitzer prize winning writer from the Philadelphia Inquirer. And he took a year off 
he was always fascinated by Texas high school football. So he took a year off and he moved to Odessa, Texas. Moved his whole family. He, uh, he was married and had two small sons at the time. I think sons at the time. Two small children at the time. And moved him to Odessa, Texas for a year. And he quite literally, he immersed himself with the, with the Permian Panthers, the, the Permian high school football team that is, it's in Odessa, Texas, and it's, a, it's an institution of Texas high school football. It's every single – It's religion. It's every single story you've ever heard about the religious experience of Texas high school football. So the reporting in the book is, is just jaw-dropping. I mean, it's, it's so well reported. Um, the, the way that he develops every character in the book, and by character, I mean individual, they're real people whether that's the quarterback, Mike Winchell, and how much he struggled with the responsibility of being the quarterback of Mojo football, whether it was Don Billingsley who was trying to live up to his famous father's footsteps, Charlie Billingsley, who was an all-state running back for Permian 20 years prior, whether – it was Brian Chavez and how he had such much larger dreams than staying in Odessa, Texas. Um, so just the development of those characters and, and the reporting that he did in that book, uh, it's something else. And if you haven't read the book, I can't possibly recommend it highly enough. I think it's, I think when I studied a little bit about the book on the internet before I started to read it again, uh, I think that the number is more than 2 million copies sold. And it made me laugh, Travis. Laney, as a freshman at Radford University, had some sort of literary course that she took and one of the books that they had to read during the semester was Friday Night Lights. And not only did she have to read Friday Night Lights, Buzz Bissinger came to Radford University and spoke to them. That's pretty awesome. I wish I'd have known. I would have gone. Like, I, I wish the school would have, my, would have said, hey, you have to read this book, and not, instead they give me some – book i don't care about sir gawain and the green knight that's what i, I got read to about, read i don't want to read about moby dick i know uh so anyway i'm reading friday night lights right now you are going to love that that mini it's not a mini series series what do you call it that show i don't know yeah it's a, it's a show series that there's like what five seasons or something you're gonna love it uh i binged watched some of it the other night it was on the e-channel i randomly happened upon it we are going to do a subsequent show about Friday Night Lights itself, because when I'm done reading the book, I want to spend some time kind of breaking that down again. Well, and I saw you and Mina Kimes tweeting, and so we're going to try to get her on here in the next week or two 
uh, talk a little Friday Night Lights and then whatever Good. he wants to talk about. But uh, Star so power be, on Marty Smith's America never so there'll hurts. There'll be a few that's, installments That's a superstar forward. right there, son. Now back to Marty Smith's America. Uh, you brought this up last week on Marty McGee's show, but I think it needs a little more attention. It comes from at Wade Flower 63. Joe Burrow was the captain of uh, the offense last year for our team. Well, he's no longer in college football, so we need a new captain. And also, we don't have cash isn't there on defense, so we need, to, we need some captains. We do need some new captains. Um, look, you got, that has to be earned. So this is a question that I will defer until, let's say, mid-October, okay? These were seniors. They graduated out of the Marty McGee All-American program. And I have, I have my ideas of who I think those individuals might be. I will give you a preview of someone that is certainly in the running on the offensive side of the ball. It is newly minted Georgia quarterback JT Daniels. And the reason that JT Daniels has a great opportunity. Now, again, you got to prove it on the field. You got to be tough as woodpecker lips. You got to be certifiably nuts, which Joe Burrow and Cash Daniel are absolutely certifiably nuts. See, that's the thing is JT meets all the off the field. No question. Records. And that's why he has a leg up right now. JT Daniels, all you got to do is go look at his Georgia team picture. His individual photograph for the Georgia Bulldogs, and you'll see Doc Holliday from Tombstone. All he needs is a little hat and a six-shooter, and he's Doc Holliday. I guess he probably needs a flask too, right? I, I bet you he has a flask. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, he is the front runner on the offensive side of the football right now. Y'all go check out that, that amazing photograph of JT I'm telling you, he does he not look like Doc Holliday? You're not wrong. It's yeah. it's amazing, and if if he performs just the littlest on the field, then we've got our captain. Yep, uh, and, and he's a baller. Look, he's a baller, dude. We'll see. I, 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 as an aside, the fact that Jamie Newman opted out that that hurt that hurt Georgia. Uh, I think Daniel's going to play very well, but Jamie Newman, he's a real special player, man, and. I think it was David Pollock who tweeted with Jamie Newman he was going to pick Georgia as his national champion, and not now. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But right now, front runner in the clubhouse is our boy JT Daniels with his uh, amazing, amazing mustache. I had a front runner on the defensive side, but uh, we don't know if we'll ever play football this fall. So. Tough Borland will have to wait and find out if he can make the team or not. Because with a name like Tough. Well, uh, I've said – I don't know how many times I've said – I wish that was my name. I wish my name was Tough Borland. That's the most linebacker name I've ever heard in my life. And he's a ball player, son. Oof. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Look, man, <laughs> that Big Ten thing, okay, it, it changes every day. The anger is so overwhelming. The frustration is so overwhelming. It's an emotional the, roller coaster. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it is. And you do your very best to maintain knowledge 
and keep your finger on the pulse of all the different meetings that are going on, whether or not they voted. You got a, a university president who, who in the notes claims that they voted and then in the public says, uh, was very ambiguous about whether they voted. I mean, it's, it's just every day there's something new. I know that there are reporters who are on top of this and, and they are talking to people every day. They are reporting every single moment, every single aspect and variable that's happening on a daily basis because it changes every single day. And ultimately I don't think they're going to play this fall. I don't. I don't. I, I was holding out hope. Um, and as we said today, I would be stunned if they play this fall. Nothing shocks me anymore, so I'm not going to say it would shock me if they played because if they do, they do. I'm, I, you, you could certainly count me among the surprised if they do. I mean, Because I just don't see uh, – if, if the vote was truly 11 to 3, okay, it was an 11 to 3 vote. You have to have nine yeses in order to play the season, correct? Correct. If, if what's been reported of needing 60% of the votes is correct, then you need nine votes. You need nine votes. So you got to flip six presidents in order to play. And on top of that, you have the commissioner who has doubled down in writing saying, we ain't changing our mind. And who we ain't has, playing. And has yet to come out and really speak or say anything on the record, to, which makes you lead to believe that he's just going to stick with what he's got and just not show his face. And supposedly they're, they've got seven schools that are saying yes now, but that's like, do you even believe that? I don't know what the, that's the whole. That's, what, that's my point. You're you're hitting on it right there. What do you? What is real? Yeah, and it's just what like, is real, and and it's hard to know what is real when there's no definitive statements being stated by the league. And this will be the first, and hopefully last time I ever do this. But kudos to Jim Harbaugh and those guys to show up and to voice their displeasure like Ohio State and other teams have had. Because the fact that he can't get a hold of their school president, I like to make fun of Harbaugh a lot. It's easy. But he's the football coach at that school, and he can't get a phone call with the president. I understand that he reports to the AD, but in a circumstance like this, Harbaugh deserves – a phone call with the president of that uh, school. And then some. Not only does he deserve a phone call, he deserves a meeting. He deserves yeah. an explanation. He deserves the president to stand in front of that football team and take every single question they have. Like I, If that yeah. takes one minute, if that takes three hours, if that takes five hours, that is what those young men deserve. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson told us that he had never seen the school president in his three years. Uh just yesterday, Ohio State tweeted out a photo of their new president. She was on the field with the field hockey team yesterday practicing with them because she was a former field hockey. She's not even on the job for two weeks, and she's already met at one of the teams. Aiden Hutchinson, one of the stars at the football team, has never seen the president. 
I would be so, so, so disappointed if I were those young men, if I were certainly that coaching staff, because that coaching staff has to answer to the parents. And when they don't have any answers for the parents, when they don't have any answers for the players, when they don't have any answers for anybody, and then the people who made the vote, the people who sat in the room, quote-unquote, and voted won't answer any questions about why, about how, about what, about when, about any of those. That is so gutless. And then to make it worse for those coaches, not only do they have to talk to the family members of their players, they have to go try to recruit. Meanwhile, all these other conferences are playing. You know it's going to be hard. Is? I mean, you know, I, uh, I've, I've paid very close attention to how social media is operating and the way that, that the, the respective members of these teams, the players, the administrators, are approaching it on social media. And you're right. I mean, Ohio State is just guns a-blazing. And they should be because – um, you know, this, this, it could really be the, the, the best team that never was like this. I mean, someone tweeted, I hope that this isn't a 30 for 30 on the team that never was, mm. but that's the way it's looking. Yep. That is the way it's and, looking. And I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do this fall. I've yet to really watch a college football game. And I don't know what I'm going to be, if I'm going to be able to actually enjoy watching those games or if I'm just going to watch them in a frustration. Yeah, it'll be difficult, and, and I can see why. I mean, when, when, when your school, when quite literally your alma mater, whom you have been passionate about since you were five years old, uh, is not on the field, I can see why that is uh, very difficult. But to your point, kudos to Coach Harbaugh, man. Um, I can tell you this. I've seen it. I've walked it. I've, I've, I have seen firsthand – the conviction and the passion that he has for the young men that he coaches. I've seen it myself. I've been to Paris and to Rome and to Ann Arbor and to Happy Valley and to all kinds of different places with that team. And I've seen it. And so eventually you can have patience for a little while, but eventually you run out of patience. And Harbaugh's run out of patience. And they deserve the chance to lose by 100 points to Ohio State. Give them that chance. Well, they deserve the opportunity to get a damn answer. Yeah, that's, uh, at, at the very least, they deserve – every school that has had their season canceled deserves – I don't understand. I, mean, I truly don't understand why, especially if your president is an infectious disease expert. Stand up in front of them kids – and take the questions. I don't I, – I just can't understand. I mean, leadership, fundamental leadership is owning your decision. And I'm still waiting to see that leadership. Well, especially when this has been the point of contention is they're claiming, you know, the coronavirus, but they're not given details. Meanwhile, the NCAA's doctor came out and said it's safe to play. So, 
you now definitely need to come out and show your reasoning for why, because the governing body is saying that it's okay and all these other conferences. So at least come out and say, this is my, the reasoning why it's coming from my background. I'm going with this. And then at least the parents can say, okay, we've heard it. Well, at this point, man, uh, it's not happening. And again, even though some people didn't hear it, we had Aiden Hutchinson on a couple of weeks back and I mean, he couldn't have been more blunt. I've been here three years. I've never seen the man. So, uh, it's ugly. And if they play, I'll be very surprised. I won't be shocked. Nothing shocks me. I'll be very surprised. I've, uh, I'll end it with this, and I think I tweeted it, and I might have texted you too. If they play in October or they even get the announcement that they're playing, I have a bottle of Jack Daniels, Eric Church, that will get opened. And if that happens to be tomorrow at 10 a.m., well, guess what, bosses? <laughs> I'm drinking at 10 a.m. So well, there it is. Uh, it just, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't, to me, I don't see value in, unless you're playing for a national championship, unless you are, like, I, I don't see the spring model. I don't, I don't see it. I don't understand how it works because you are – that's entirely too many games in one calendar year for amateur athletes. And quite – I mean, quite honestly, Mike, what are you playing for? I think at least the winner model, which I'm I, – I, that's better than nothing. You're getting reps for those freshmen so they're not just taking a, an entire year off. Yeah. You're basically – you're going to have to keep that team motivated to work, to want to prove the following year. That's basically, I mean. They're the going to be plenty motivated. I ain't worried about that part. I mean, kudos to these players that are still busting their tail right now in practice, hoping that they get that 11th hour, you know, say. Harbaugh said they need two weeks. If they well, greenlit the season, they need two weeks. They're ready to kick off. Well, that's, I texted Bobby Carpenter. I said, how many weeks would you need? He goes two to three weeks. Yep. Um, now, uh, Mario Cristobal said eight weeks. Now, I think a reporter also brought up a good point. The Pac-12 never got started really with their practicing. So that's why I think the Big Ten needs to stop worrying about what the Pac-12 is. This isn't a group project anymore. The Big Ten needs to worry about themselves. And I think if they made the call this week, October 10th, is more than doable. I think this. I think that Kevin Warren is – Kevin Warren's greatest hope is that the other leagues that are playing ultimately cannot play. That is his hope. He needs, he, he's hoping that some of these games continue to get pushed back and then he can go see. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, I guess that's enough, dude. That, We've been yeah, on forever, haven't we? We've wrapped enough. That's enough for us, Marty. If you didn't get your questions in, believe me, I've got them on a Word doc now actually uh, saved. So we will get more of those in. Don't worry, people. I love it. I, we appreciate y'all's questions. They were great. Thank you for sending them and, and caring enough to, to ask them. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening to my random rambling dribble today. Uh, we appreciate y'all so much. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're so grateful 
for uh, law enforcement officials all over the country and, and keeping our community safe. Thank you to our firemen running into the fire, literally risking their lives to save others. Appreciate our military so much. We live in a free country and our military is the reason why. So thank you guys so much to our men and women in uniform. That's Marty Smith's America. We appreciate y'all listening. We'll try better next time. Y'all have an amazing week. Stay safe out there.